and welcome to the Jewish Rogue Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my dad. Hi. How, how, how you doing, old folks? <laughs> <laughs> I think that started out as a mistake, and then you really tried to save yourself. Didn't, didn't do half bad. Uh, hey, we're throwing out a bonus episode uh, for you today, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the last episode with some of the best of our Jewish humor, and... There was one, I, I stopped the recording just before you got one out that you really wanted to do. So oh. I, I thought, let's do that. And then we got something real fun to tell you about. So go for it. I thought this was kind of neat. There's this fellow, Nate, noticed his friend Avram underneath a street light, and he's searching for something on the ground. And Nate says, Avram, what are you doing? He says, I lost my keys. Can you help me look for them? And after they look for a while and time passes and they have no success, Nate says, Avram, where exactly did you lose those keys? He says, I lost them in the alley over there. And Nate says, you just kind of dumbfounded. Why are we looking over here? And Avram looks over at his friend and he says, because the light is better here. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Good thing we got all the best of out in the last one. But you enjoyed that. I'm glad you did. Okay. Hey, uh, what are we here to talk about on this bonus episode? Israel. Israel. All right, good. Yeah. Really, what we're talking about is we want you to come to Israel with us. Now, the, the whole country has been locked down for the last couple of years. No one could go anywhere. There were tests galore, vaccinations galore, and all kinds of you know gymnastics and jumping jacks you had to do just to even get in the country. They had, you know, you had to sit in the airport for a couple hours and get a clear test and all that kind of stuff. Well, everything's opened up again. Thank goodness. And uh, one of my favorite things to, to do in the world is to go to Israel. I love talking about the Bible and the stories in here and to connect this first act with the second act. But the best place to do it is in the land. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking at the geography and everything that uh, the Bible talks about, we miss so much if we are not actually there. And uh, I, I love being in the land, and it's been kind of rough uh, the last couple of years not being able to go uh, because of all the COVID scare, but yeah, uh, so things are opening up. What's important about this is that when we go to Israel, we are imparting the story of God from one generation to the next. And I've been... Many, many times have led many, many groups, everything from college groups to do humanitarian aid trips to some adventure trips to walking and going whitewater rafting down the Jordan River uh, to just leading Bible study tours. And it's one of my favorite things. But one of the, the things I really love is, is taking private groups out there. Um, and it really what it, it, it encapsulates this idea of what we call Lador Vidor. What's Lador Vidor? This is... Uh... From, it means from generation to generation. Uh, this is what uh, Moses told uh, the people that uh, we are to give these truths, biblical truths, to our children and our grandchildren and so on down through the ages. Yeah. In fact, in, in Psalm 78, it says, We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children that they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. And I think what's what's interesting, it, we, as you get older— um, 
you've had a lot more time to think about this than I have because, I mean, you're much older. But it's this question of, will the legacy of faith in your family end with your generation? Will, yeah. the, will the legacy of faith in your family end with your generation? Yeah, yeah. And, and that is, uh, that's the question. And that, that is the thing that we don't want to happen. That's why Moses said, uh, even in the Shema, that the Jews re, uh, recite every day, you shall teach these things diligently to your children. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, uh, you'll put them as a sign, as frontlets between your eyes and, and on the doorposts and gates of your house. So we are to put these truths these from God into the minds and in the hearts, not just the mind, but the hearts of our children and our children's children. Just as I think of it when Joseph, before he died, sat with all of those generations and said to them, uh, the Lord is going to come and visit you and take you out of this place, which yeah. is Egypt. And, and I think that there are very few rites of passage in our culture today. Um, one of the stats I've read was that as many as 82% of teens, they walk away from their faith before reaching adulthood. Uh, and, and for many, the decision is made even long before that. And so many families of faith, I think they can be described as spending time together without really ever having a vibrant spiritual connection. And, and what we want to be able to see is we want to see faith uh, come alive in families um, from one generation to the next. Yeah, I think especially in this day that we're living in today when uh, parents are fighting to have authority over their children, uh, we want to not only have uh, the say in what we teach our children, but biblically that they know who God is. That's right. And so uh, a few years ago, I, I started something called Legacy Israel Tours, started a website for it, LegacyIsraelTours.com, and started uh, getting requests to be able to take families out and people out uh, because they wanted to do just that. Um, and, and one of the most memorable trips for me, um, because over the years, they all become one big trip. And we, I remember experiences with different people in different parts. I'll never forget being in uh, St. Anne's uh, in that chapel, that medieval chapel yeah, yeah. with uh, Stan Payton. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, that singing? Man, you go into this, this medieval uh, church and it's been around, but it has, they, they say it has a reverb and echo for seven the, seconds. Oh, the acoustics were amazing in that place. But we go in there quietly. Yeah. And we say, don't say a word. Nobody even knows why we're going in there, what we're doing in there. And we will sing a song. I whisper, I'll say, all right, let's sing. And we, we, we'll teach you the Shema and we do it, but we do it like one line at a time. And then, we, I, you know, like a, like a choir director, it's my one moment I get to be a choir director. And you, you cut everybody off and you just stop and you listen to the ring. Yeah. But you remember Stan Payton? Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know he could sing like that. I don't think he knew he could sing like that. I mean, he did, but it was, you take an already good voice and you put it in a place like that. And I just remember standing there and there was not a dry eye in the entire church. People yeah. from all over the world are there and they're traveling and they're listening to Stan. <laughs> and we're listening like, what just happened? It was, it was worship. Yeah. It was yeah, worship. It, it was, yeah. It, it was, was one of great. the greatest moments. But uh, a few years ago, um, an 83-year-old widow uh, said, Matt, I want to take my family to Israel. And uh, not everybody was, everybody had been brought up going to church, but not everybody was walking with the Lord. And so she 
she wanted to take uh, her investment, you know, and you, you get to the end of your life and you start thinking, I'm going to leave an inheritance. I'm going to leave gifts for my family, a legacy financially, but she wanted to leave something even greater. And that was a spiritual legacy. Mm-hmm. And so she invested and it. It's not cheap to get over there, right? Um, we're making no money off of this thing, but it's, it's not cheap. But she made an investment and she said, I want to bring my family. And so she brought her kids and their spouses. She brought her grandkids and their spouses and 18 of us pile into a plane and pile into buses and we go. But what we do is we want to tell the story of God. And I think what a travesty in, in, every, in every believing family, not every, but most, is that the kids don't know the story of their parents coming to faith. Huh. We've not told that story very well. Mm. And in, in generations and in families where there's a third generation of believers, even less will have had the grandparents tell the grandkids their story of coming to faith. Yeah. So imagine what it's like. You take your family, you come over to Israel, and we get off the plane and we go over to Joppa, and we have the grandparents, the patriarchs and matriarchs of the family, and they say, uh, this has been my story with God. And they share their story. And it's not a biography, it's a testimony. And a testimony is the, the story of God working in your life. And we say, hey, over the next week or two, while we're here walking in the land of the Bible, this classroom, um, God's going to start to reveal your story and what he wants to do in your life. And we want you to pay attention. Because I do think that that battle exists, that parents are trying to get attention of their kids. And it just feels awkward to sit down and have the family meeting in the living room say, uh, let's, we're going to go to church on Sunday, right? And, yeah. and you know, church is one of the most divided. Sunday morning is one of the most divided places in the world for a family because yeah. everyone goes their own way. Yeah. What does it look like for just 10 days, 12 days to go and to have these spiritual conversations and to let people like us lead it? It's, it's totally different to be there on site in the land where these things took place. And I'll never forget. It was that very same trip in the Jordan River. And everyone in the family uh, gets baptized. Uh, and I'm, I'm immersing them in the water. And I see Grandma hmm. on the shore. And she's bawling her eyes out. I look at her. She's crying. I'm crying. People in the family are crying. And I just realized, like, this, I, I could do this the rest of my life. Like that, those are significant moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what, that's what families want for, that, for their family, right? And yeah. they come back and th- now you have a basis. There's a, a baseline of what our spiritual life together as a family is going to look like. It, it creates that sense of oneness in terms of what we, we all saw and experienced and understood together. Yeah. Yeah. And now she wants to go back to Turkey, by the way. I'm going to do the seven churches. Oh, yeah. In Turkey. Okay. That'd be well, fun. Yeah. I, I want to do that too. I bet you. Yeah. You, <laughs> you have spilkis, which is ants in your pants. You just yeah. want to get everywhere, go everywhere. You can't yeah. sit still very long. Yeah. Well, not everywhere. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we're going to get to a, a quick announcement in a second, but I, I was just curious for you. So you've been to Israel a few times and we've got to teach and lead some trips over there. Um, but is there a place for you where it all comes together? Is there your favorite place to teach or what, what was a moment like even going through there? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, uh, there are so many places and so many things, uh, that we saw and we experienced while we're there. You know, I love it up in the Northern region of Galilee, climbing that mountain as we go up to the top. Uh, what's the name of that mountain? 
Uh, Mount of Olives? No, no. No, Mount Arbel? Yeah, Arbel, yeah. Uh, Arbel, overlooking um, the galley. So, yeah, yeah, up in the galley. And, and uh, I, I really like it in the southern part, around the Dead Sea and around Masada. But I think I really like uh, when we get up to Jerusalem. And that is one of my favorite things because there is so much history there and there is uh, so much that's going to take place there. And uh, when I look at that, Temple Mount, and I think of the fact that Solomon's temple was there, and Zerubbabel's temple was there, and both of those were destroyed. And now we look across uh, from the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and we see that it is run down by the Gentiles, as Jesus said, uh, but the day is coming when there will be the millennial temple. Uh, but thinking of all the things that are gonna take place in between, uh, teaching on the Mount of Olives uh, was uh, tremendous. But again, when you look across that Kidron Valley, you see the Eastern Gate and you see the, uh, the entire layout of the land there and the places where Yeshua taught himself. He taught the disciples and the things that took place in that temple in the uh, in the Mount of Olives there where he prayed, where they came and arrested him, where, you know, all of the history that takes place, where he agonized over that third cup that he was going to drink himself, the cup of redemption, uh, is just filled with all kinds of uh, thoughts and history and theology and information. Yep. So I'd have to say that's probably one of my favorite spots. I, I think it was the last time that we were there and you were... You were teaching right there on the Mount of Olives, and I felt bad for you because you were doing fine and everything, but there was a little bit of a, a rain that day. Oh, it was freezing. It was freezing cold, but <laughs> and just a little bit of rain, but over your shoulder uh, was a rainbow, and huh? it was beautiful. Huh? And not many people were listening to you. We were taking pictures. You thought we were probably taking pictures of you, but we really, it was this rainbow that was going over the backdrop. I should post that picture to this um, if, I, if I remember to do that. It, it was beautiful. I, I remember teaching in Nazareth uh, up on the, on the precipice. This is the place where they're going to throw Jesus off, right? After, uh, this is Luke 4, and, uh, and I'm, we have... I'm there with a bunch of Michiganders, and they're they're used to weather and cold. And it's it, I think we were there in like January or February. It was freezing, and it's not only freezing, but it got windy and it started raining. And I'm teaching, and then one at a time, these Michiganders they can't handle it, and they start getting up and they go back to the bus. And then it's just me and one other guy, and we're like, well, what are we gonna do now? So we just get on the bus and we finish the message there. But you know, have those moments. Yeah. Um, I, I remember there was one one point, one time, uh, when we were in Gethsemane, and uh, I was teaching there, and uh, I was teaching on the cup of wrath and what was to take place, and uh, our tour guide, Yehuda, who I liked a lot, uh, I couldn't find him anywhere in the crowd, and I asked you afterwards, uh, was Yehuda there? And uh, you said, yeah, he was behind the tree. He said he heard everything, and he said, I've never heard that kind of an application before. Hmm, that's interesting. And that was, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was something to have him say that I, I taught something that he had never heard before. Yeah. When and you consider all the groups that he had led over there. Yeah, so it, just to give you some, like, details, 
you know, we, we go over there um, and, and all of the, the flights and arrangements uh, are all handled. We have an agency and uh, they take care of all of that. But we always go with Israeli guides. And uh, what's great is you know, they're, they're Jews, they're Israelis, but they, uh, they have a belief in the God of Israel, uh, but they are not actually uh, believers in Jesus. Uh, and so what they do is they teach the historical, geographical, and then we do the biblical and the spiritual. And so it, we've, we've developed good friendships and relationships with them over the years and very excited. You know, my favorite spot is, uh, is in a place that nobody knows about. Um, in the book of Joshua, um, Joshua is going through and he's, he, there's a conquest and he's going through and, and he goes to, uh, this is Joshua 11, he goes to a place called Hatzor, or if you read it here in Kentucky, Hazer. Um, and so it says, Joshua turned back at that time and he captured Hatzor and struck its king with the sword for Hatzor formerly was the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck the sword, all who were in it, devoting, devoting them to destruction. There was none left it that breathed. And it says, he burned Hatsor with fire. It's not my favorite spot because of all the destruction. But what's interesting, where it really came alive to me, is one of my first couple times going, we're there and we're looking at the archaeologist. And we actually had the archaeologist of Hatsor was there and said, we want to show you what we found. And we go there and they show us this wall. And the yeah. wall is black. Huh. You can actually see that it was at one point set on fire. Huh. And that was one of those moments for me where this is like thousands of years ago. Maybe this book is true, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, like, I believe that. But to really see it and to say, you know, this is a line in the sand. Um, for our kids, uh, after they, you know, being in the Jewish family, especially for the boys, there's, there's two moments uh, that, that are a little bit more difficult for them. One is at eight days when they get circumcised. <laughs> and then yeah. the next one is when they're about to turn 13. And we say, you got to learn Hebrew with Leora. And uh, Leora is our Israeli friend who teaches our kids Hebrew and teaches us Hebrew. And she yells at me because I don't make pickles right. But it's all good. We love Leora. Uh, but after they suffer through a year of Hebrew, they have their bar mitzvah. We're actually preparing for a bat mitzvah coming up. And then they go to Israel with us. And mm -hmm. that's where we say, this is the land of your fathers. Mm -hmm. All of this preamble to say this, we're going to Israel. Uh -huh. And uh, we are working on a trip uh, for the spring of 2023 and not ready just yet to give all the details of that. But what we want to do is invite you. You could come to Israel with the Jewish road. And when they do that, what do they get to experience? Oh, gosh. They get, they get to experience uh, the land and the people and the foods um, and seeing all of the places that you've only read about uh, in in your Bible, but come to life uh, as we go and visit uh, the Galilee, as we visit up in Dan, uh, as we uh, visit Chorazin and Bethsaida, uh, great, great places and great teachings to understand what actually is going on in that land and the promises that God made and those things that Jesus taught as he walked from one end of the land to the other. It's the greatest classroom in the world, and uh, it's our favorite thing in the world to do, is to bring people, and we know the moments. And we, we can take stories like David and Goliath, 
and you'll see it and you'll hear it and you'll picture it now in ways that you never imagined. You will go and sit by the Sea of Galilee and you'll read the Gospels and you'll read Jesus went from this city to this city. He went across the lake to this place and you'll literally look up and you'll see that place. It'll be right there. Um, that mountain, Mount Arbel that you talked about, it, it was known as the mountain of God. It was, it was, It's believed by theologians that this was the place that Jesus used to go and get up early and he used to go pray. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we walk through and uh, in some places we fly where Jesus walked and we have to go real quick. Uh, but it is the opportunity of a lifetime. And I say either you get to go to Jerusalem now or the new Jerusalem later, but might be good to get to see some of the before and after. So uh, this is an invitation, and we want to invite you, though we don't have all of the details dialed, we want you to start planning, and we'd like to know who wants to go. And you can indicate whether you want to go on a trip privately, um, but we're also pulling together a Jewish road trip uh, Jewish road trip. That's kind of fun. Um, that uh, is going to be going out, and we're going to have just a little bit larger group, not a crazy large group, but like a bus full of folks. And uh, we'll get to talk about all this stuff. And it's not just going to the places and speaking at the different sites. What I love is we come back to the hotel, we have a great meal, and then we sit around and we talk some more. And so mm-hmm. it's for, for us, it's we just don't get tired of it. It's yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So uh, if you are interested and want to know more, uh, go to our website, thejewishroad.com slash Israel, thejewishroad.com slash Israel, and you'll just fill out a quick little form letting us know that you're interested. We'll have a couple of quick questions there. It'll take you less than two minutes, and then we will be able to keep in touch with you and let you know when everything is starting to get dialed in. But if you are interested, you don't have your passport, get that already, start saving those shekels, uh, because gas prices ain't cheap uh, right now. Um, but yeah. we're going to try to get us over there. Um, we're not staying in, in hovels and hostels. Uh, this will be nice, but it's also not going to be five-star, you know, the Waldorf Astoria. Although, if that's what you want, we could totally do that. Yeah. We like that, too. <laughs> Uh, but we'll eat well, we'll have fun, and you will come back uh, refreshed, and you will come back uh, really feeling uh, a lot closer to the Lord and deeper in your faith. Anything else from you? Uh, I, I think you pretty much said it all. Uh, just encourage the people to uh, put your name on the list and uh, sign up on the interest list, and we are in the middle of organizing this. All right. So that was our seven to 10 minute podcast, <laughs> which is now 24 minutes. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening. That officially wraps up season number two of the Jewish Road podcast. Guess what? We're not done. We have more to say, more people to talk to, more scriptures to read. And we're looking forward to the journey in season three coming to a podcast near you soon. So until then, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. And may we say that together from Yerushalayim itself, yeah. right? And what yeah. does that mean? Yeah, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. All right. Shalom. <laughs>